0: Hello and welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and this is episode 44, the Father's Day edition. Yes,
1: indeed. Happy
0: (laughs) Father's Day, everybody. Yep. With me in the studio, you can hear her laughing, is Aurora. She is our sidekick and producer.
1: I make everybody sound good. Hi.
0: (laughs) She makes everybody sound good. She cuts out all my ums and ahs so I sound twice as smart as I actually am. (laughs) So she does more than that, and we're very happy that she's part of this. Oh. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Dr. Zach Bush, he's our guest today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him?
1: Okay. Uh, Dr. Bush was studying to be an engineer when a time volunteering in the Philippines ignited his passion for medicine. Zach Bush completed pre-med training and his baccalaureate degree in Spanish at the University of Colorado Boulder in 1997 and completed medical school in 2012 at the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center in Denver. Following medical school, he and his family moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, to complete internships and residency in internal medicine at the University of Virginia. In recognition of his clinical excellence in leadership, Dr. Bush was selected to serve an additional year as chief resident in 2005 to 2006, which furthered his passion for teaching. During the course of his eight years of medical practice at UVA, Dr. Bush developed an increasingly skeptical view on pharmaceutical studies and their purported clinical outcomes, and realized that his patients were far more motivated to pursue real health and healing than the medical community was giving them credit for. Since 2009, Dr. Bush and his colleagues at Revolution Health have been forging a comprehensive model. For human health and healing.
0: That is quite the thorough introduction.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> okay.
0: So let's jump right in. Here's Dr. Zach Bush.
1: Hi,
0: Zach. Dr. Bush, McKay Rippey from Lion Ninja Radio.
2: Hi, how are you doing?
0: Pretty good. So let's introduce you, and how did you get interested in medicine?
2: yeah that's that was a trip to the Philippines actually. I spent some time in the Philippines uh, working in a pre and postnatal care clinic uh, doing uh, midwifery uh, support so as helping a group of international midwives and uh, doing their postnatal care checks. I was nineteen years old at the time and didn't think I wanted to go into medicine. I was going into engineering actually, and uh, the experience of being with these little filipino women and having them hand these little four pound babies to me as if i had some sort of responsibility in the world was an indelible moment i guess and, uh, that uh that shifted my attention to the possibility that maybe i could engineer something besides metal and start looking at the human body as a complex machine that i was intriguing and so i uh shifted gears at that point, And uh, it's been 20 years of education since. So I've been through uh, a pretty amazing breadth of medical education as well.
0: Absolutely. And so then I also went on your, your clinic website and took a look around. And I'm intrigued because I'm interested in doing something like this up here in central New York. So tell me about your the clinic down there in Virginia. And you have an acupuncturist there, an herbalist, a nutritionist. And...
2: Yeah. So at Revolution Health Center, the last five years, we've pioneered an approach to uh, – it really starts at the basic science level, which is a lot of my background in uh, basic science around cancer and how tumor cells grow and how they, how they die. Uh that ends up being a, a very similar story to how diabetes occurs and how diabetes reverses. And so um, by the end of my nine-year career at UVA, I uh, had come to the conclusion that medicine was not as complex as my $200,000 education had suggested, and that was actually super simple. And um, that the whole story of chronic disease in America, let alone the world, is really revolves around inflammation. And that story of inflammation uh, became the capstone of what we would do at Revolution Health Center. And so we've basically taken a uh, complete blinders-off approach to what what causes inflammation at the, at the structural level down in the cells. And uh, we've uh, ended up uncovering eight different pathways uh, that are kind of broad pathways towards inflammation. And it turns out that those pathways are really uh, the story of human health. And so... Uh, it starts on the plate and uh, nutrition and uh, everything you eat, and then uh, broadens out to that to basically stress management. So, at the cell level, there's lots of different types of stress that can occur. Uh, there's certainly the types that are commonly associated with the word stress, such as financial stress and psychosocial stressors and spiritual stress. Uh, but then there's some much more profound ones, perhaps that are uh, oxidative stress uh, down at the cell level and and, and uh, the oxidative stress is really produced by the immune system itself. And uh, so we have a comprehensive program at the clinic that helps uh, individual patients look at their lives and really identify their uh, major sources of stress and start to go about a, a structured lifestyle change that helps them uh, reduce that that stress format and uh, change inflammation in their bodies and uh, really, in the end, none of us are healers. Uh, really, the, the body itself is the healing miracle, and and uh, so the clinic is really about liberating or unveiling the the miracle that's in every single one of us as as a human being. We have uh, a stunning array of resources in the body that go about the healing process, and uh, it's a fun fun clinic to work in. I, I set out to be a doctor too see a few good things happen to your patients in life, and you hope for the best, and you, uh, you start down a pharmaceutical pathway, getting a whole bunch of medications as your toolbox, and it doesn't take many years of practicing medicine to realize that your toolbox is not being very effective, and it might lower met- numbers on the blood pressure meter or on a glucose meter, uh, but it's short-lived results, and before you know it, you're adding more drugs to achieve the same result, et cetera. Uh, In contrast, we get the real joy of watching patients really take responsibility and control of their own lives and health, and uh, we get to see a miracle a day or a week uh, in the clinic and seeing things biologically happen that I had been taught were impossible. So it's uh, been a real joy and uh, a really exciting place to see a team come together in which the patients are uh, 80% of the team, really, and and the practitioners there are just Uh, they're they're witnesses to their
0: process in a lot of ways. You mentioned inflammation and infection. And so what, what about chronic infections like Lyme, like babesiosis, like a chronic viral, you know, whether it's HPV or Epstein-Barr or whatever, how, how does that fit in?
2: Absolutely. So Chronic infection is really an opportunistic event in my model. Um, So the Lyme event, as you know, many of us are exposed to Lyme all the time. Uh, Many of us are exposed to babesiosis. Many of us are exposed to uh, HPV or HCV or uh, we're exposed to mononucleosis, et cetera. And uh, we may show acute uh, signs of infection or we may not. Uh, those that then go on to display chronic uh, symptoms of, of that exposure are uh, a unique situation in which the body has lost its its ratio of healing to injury uh, rate. And so uh, it's a really an opportunistic moment that a virus or a spirochete in the course of Lyme is getting a foothold. And so uh, if you have that that one in a thousand or one in a million event of, okay, I got exposed and I'm showing chronic symptoms from, uh, you got to start looking at the much bigger picture instead of just blaming the Lyme bug or just blaming the, the virus or what have you. Uh, and that's where Western medicine, I think, has really failed to support our Lyme population and everything else. They can say, well, you know, you got your antibiotics and, and now you're you're done, and you should you should feel fine now. And of course, people don't um, feel fine, and, and they struggle for many years. And uh, and we've come up with a whole philosophy on chronic Lyme, and unfortunately, the hallmark of that is antibiotics. And so, chronic antibiotic use is a is a really massive problem. when you consider the immune system. So, um, so we take a much different approach uh, than typical for chronic infection. I think. So what? What does
0: chronic use of antibiotics do? I mean, that's that's, that's, yeah. that's a softball I'm throwing. <laughs> the 16-inch yeah. giant softball across the plate there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. And, it, you know, we can expand that story from, from oral antibiotics to really our soil management and our farming practices, our food and everything since World War II. So um, what any. Any chemical that kills bacteria, whether it be an herbicide or a pesticide in the farming practice, um, a chemical fertilizer in the farming practice, uh, a uh, food additive, um, something like aspartame, uh, things like that, and, uh, the, the artificial sweeteners, uh, things like um, your you know, animal feed that's laced with the antibiotics and that ending up in the chickens, et etc. Uh, or, in this case, you know, chronic antibiotic use to the human for a presumed chronic infection of Lyme. Um, all of these things uh, have an immediate and massive impact on the ecosystem. And so the ecosystem of the body is uh, supposed to be staggeringly complex and massive. And so the... Uh, current estimates of a healthy body is somewhere around 1.4 to 1.8 quadrillion bacteria. And that's not just in number, it's also in diversity. And so 30,000 species of bacteria throughout the body, the majority of which would reside in the gut. Yeah. So
0: just um, uh, aside there, I have a question for you before I forget it. Does this include bacteria on the skin or is this internally?
2: It would be the whole body, and so we have really neat symbiotic relationship with not only the bacteria, but also uh, little uh, symbiotic uh, worms and other things like yeah. uh, under the eye- eyelids. We have these really unique little worms that, can, that live under the eyelids and help protect uh, the sclera and all kinds of interesting little relationships to, to our microbiome. Um helminths are an example of a really healthy um, parasite that comes and goes uh, from the human intestine. It doesn't have a life cycle within the human intestine, but when it enters through the food chain, um, it does a really nice immune uh, reset and all kinds of unique things. So uh, we have a, a really incredible microbiome and then this macrobiome, I would call it, which is an incredible uh, concept around uh, the relationships of these species on our skin on every mucous membrane sinuses and uh, our huge area the whole respiratory tree etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: so the other thing in listening to you you sound like joel salatin or wendell berry are they two of your influences by any chance
2: uh, it's interesting. Uh, they've definitely um, you know, definitely helped shape the public discussion. Joel Salatin actually, his farm is only about thirty minutes from my clinic, so ah. um, I've I've lectured with him a couple times and things like that over the years. But um, but yeah, I think that you know Joel and and the entire farming industry is starting to wake up as the consumer wakes up. So. All of us are realizing that that big farming is is massively detrimental to the planet as well as to the individual health of the consumer. So, uh, they can hope. Hopefully, we'll continue to see this really rapidly building momentum uh, in the consumer world of of demanding a different product in the, in the grocery stores, etc.
0: Yeah. So, um, it's,
2: absolutely, it's yeah, it, it, are it, important.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Most um most uh, creation myths or uh, you know, if if your beliefs—I don't mean to step on your beliefs as a Christian—start with with man being made from the clay or from the soil, and perhaps there was a bit of wisdom there that we kind of overlooked, as though this is just simplistic thinking. But what you're saying is the the bacteria in the soil is being affected by the farming methods and the pesticides put down there, and the the our biome, our internal biome, has been harmed and reduced because the external biome has been harmed and reduced and we're suffering from that is that what you're saying
2: that's precisely it and so it turns out that you know our health stems from a really integral relationship to our nature and as we separate ourselves from that nature our health suffers and if you take a look at western civilization it's been in a steady march away from nature the whole time and so uh, whether it's the convenience of rubber-soled shoes. Uh, in the 1960s, we went from you know largely leather soled shoes to rubber-soled shoes. And in that single move, we insulated ourselves from the biggest anti-inflammatory that we have, which is planet Earth. Yeah. Uh, and so we insulated ourselves away from the ground. Uh, we lost that infinite number of electron pool um, that are uh, ameliorating or neutralizing inflammation throughout the body. Um, so in even these these simple steps of putting uh, Nikes on on infants, and as they before they even take their first step, it's it's really a frightening. Uh, prospect, and obviously you can see what's happened to
0: human health since 1960. So, right here's uh, here's a funny here's a funny story. So, I'm I'm an acupuncturist. I started with J.R. Worsley in England, and he's it's kind of a little break in between um, sessions. And he says, okay, when you open up your clinic, it's best to have it on the ground floor, and you should wear natural soled shoes. And that was. He just made that comment and then just went on to something else. And it just struck me as so strange. So this would have been in the, let's see, probably in the the late eighties. And then when you come across the earthing folks and their research and like you just talked about being a connection with the earth there, all of a sudden these things start clicking together and this whole inflammation story. Now, how does this, how does this segue into the gut health? tight junctions, small bowel overgrowth, probiotics, prebiotics.
2: Absolutely. So as we're talking about bacteria here, it's actually a a pretty novel concept in the course of Western medicine that bacteria are good for us. (laughs) As of the 1990s, most doctors still looked at the bacterial world as as a disastrously dangerous place and, spent all their time thinking about antibiotics and antimicrobial soaps and sterilizers for the hospitals etc and uh, that led to a very slippery slope of you know what we now see as these epidemic endemic kind of situations with MRSA and VRE in the hospital systems right all these highly resistant bugs and so the field has been very slow to to embrace the concept of healthy bacteria, but certainly the probiotic market has moved us uh, in a very beneficial direction. If not uh, being anything of a solution in of itself, but um, as you lose complexity in the microbiome, whether it's in the soil or in the human gut, we start to uh, see imbalance happen, and this can be seen easiest perhaps just on our daily lives in a garden. And so, if you dig up an area of soil and leave it untended, you obviously end up with a whole bunch of weeds really fast. Uh, Those weeds have biologic advantages as to why they uh, can get a foothold quickly and grow really rapidly and and need only a shallow root system that can spread rapidly. They have growth factors, etc. That gives them the advantage in that clear-cut garden. Same thing happening in the intestines. So there are weed-like bacteria and uh, yeasts and all kinds of unfriendly uh, bugs that, that when unbalanced with the ecosystem become pathogens. I think that we're going to find out in the end that you know E. coli and, and even the pathogenic strains and uh, MRSA and all these things, ultimately those Staph aureus and Pseudomonas and all these infectious pathogens that we think of are going to sh- end up having really important pieces. Uh, in the in the healthy biology, they're going to do detox of radioactive material in the case of pseudomonas and all kinds of other things. Um, so when we think of bacterial overgrowth, we think, oh, boy, you got exposed to or somehow you got overgrowth of a bad species. Well, it's probably a really good species when it's in its appropriate number, mm-hmm. um, but it's a lack of uh, community that led to this overgrowth. And so that probiotic industry has done a good job of saying, okay, there's good bacteria, but the probiotics, unfortunately, are just chasing after the wind when it comes to uh, creating a biome. So if you look at any of the probiotics in the market, you're somewhere between three species and seven species, and eighty percent of the market. Right. There's a few uh, few on the market now that have twenty four species, um, but twenty-four species taken over and over again each day in the in the quantity of thirty billion copies per bacteria you start to realize wow we're actually creating monoculture in the intestines with probiotics we're not creating biodiversity at all and so why do people feel better on a probiotic well not many people do but those that do feel better it means that they had just a few species of pathogenic ones that can lead to adverse symptoms, whether it's candida or pseudomonas or Klebsiella or whatever it is. Uh, They get small bowel overgrowth inappropriately. They take some probiotics and they might feel better in the short run, but they never really reach optimal health with that because they're creating another micro, another narrow biome with, with the probiotic usage. And so doctors have, re, you know, the savvy doctors are now saying, well, let's go ahead and just cycle them every month, get a different brand. Right. Uh, well, you know, that just adds up to, if you had all of them on the market up, because there's a ton of redundancy, obviously. Most yeah. of the probiotics are just a repackaging of another probiotic. So
0: so how do you get uh, a really that?
2: looking at maybe 50 species on the market. And yeah. so it's really a chasing after the win there. So that's where we've uh, departed from the probiotic market and the concept of prebiotics has come in. Uh but something like inulin or and these prebiotics are again feeding a very narrow spectrum of bacteria okay, and so that that's where so that's uh, the resistant
0: my... starch people right
2: i'm sorry I guess you that's the them.
0: that's the resistant starch people
2: and feed the yeah, animal exactly yeah yeah precisely yeah and so, so um that's where we were at in 2012, uh, thinking around gut health and soil health and trying to sort through my patients that were going through very intensive nutritional rehab uh, for their cancer or whatever they were facing. Uh, we're going through these intense programs of juicing and all kinds of stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, seeing a, a sector of those patients just immediately turn around their health and boom. And then a large section of that population who, no matter what we put in their body, right. were feeling worse, not better. Right. Uh, and that segment really pushed us to start to really question what is a healthy gut? What? How are we defining gut health? And we're going down that avenue um, when a very advantageous discovery happened. It was always by mistake in some ways when you make your greatest discoveries. But uh, we found uh, the first carbon molecule from bacteria that, that would constitute a communication network between the bacteria. That was back in uh, early 2012. And so it took us about a year to get to the point where we had um, bottles that were working in clinic and uh, uh, we've been using this uh, complex communication network made by the bacteria of of ancient soil um, in uh, the human gut now. We also use it topically on the skin. We use it in sinuses and on many pot, all kinds of different methods of delivery. Uh, Use it vaginally for HPV infections, stuff like this, and it's. It's a really fascinating thing to give back the communication network to bacteria um, and see what happens to the biome and see what happens to innate immunity because uh, the the compounds itself that are in this supplement that we've developed, called stores, are not curative at all. They, these compounds aren't going out and healing anybody. All they're doing is, is bringing the wireless communication network between the bacteria up and running And the bacteria are just so intelligent. They they have an incredible ability to balance biome. Uh, Bacteria, as you know, uh, produce their own antivirals, their own uh, antifungals, their own antiparasitic compounds. And so just by getting the bacteria talking again, we can see spontaneous clearance of parasites. uh, We could do into use to see a bowl full of pinworms or pass a roundworm, whatever it is. And so the bacteria are just so smart when given enough information, they can really create an incredible uh, diversity and intelligence down there at the gut level. So
0: this is an incredible shift of thinking going from, okay, what we need, the problem is we don't have enough diversity in the gut, right? We're down from 30,000 types of bacteria to 10,000 or less. I've heard you say those numbers before. Um, and then, but saying the, the path back to diversity isn't trying to add back in another 20,000 different varieties. The path to diversity is to increase the communication amongst these bacteria.
2: Exactly. And, and at some point, you know, you, you realize through humble resignation that there is no way as a doctor I'm going to be able to engineer an ecosystem of 20,000 species living in harmony, you know, there's just the complexity <laughs> of that is so mind-boggling. Uh, the genomics is is stunning. Uh, in a healthy biome, you're looking at over 2 million different genes, uh, whereas the human genome is only 25,000 genes. I mean, we're, we're only twice as complex as a fruit fly. that has about 13,000 genes. Um, so from a gene standpoint, humans are profoundly simple, slightly, slightly more complex than a fruit, fruit, fruit fly. Um, but from a, a genomic standpoint, the intelligence that's down there in the bacterial biome with two million different genes is just staggering. And um, it's a really exciting thing to realize those bacteria know how to engineer an ecosystem. And you know this is what we're doing on a macro level. you talk about you know rebuilding the rainforest or, or allowing coral reefs to survive. Those are other macrobiomes that are in the same league of about thirty thousand species. So uh, these, these macrobiomes uh, are so intelligent, um, but still so fragile. And so the toxicity of our farming is killing those coral reefs, as the fertilizers pour out of the Gulf and all this stuff. So it's it's really the same story in the macro systems as it is in our micro systems. So here's a crazy question:
0: Have you had anybody spray Restore on their garden yet?
2: Yeah, actually it's a really fun little experiment. If you know, if you were curious to know what Restore is doing in your body, it's usually not so. People usually are feeling improvement in symptoms within a few days of starting Restore, but the bacteria are very fast recovering and, and do all kinds of cool things for you from your brain function on down the system. But um but if you want to just do a quick demo to yourself, just do a sprouting situation where you had teaspoon of Restore to your uh, soil mix, and then sprout a couple seeds next to each other uh, in separate pots, one with with and one without the uh, Restore on board, and just see what happens in regard to the rate of the the uh, germination, the initial uh, seed growth, and then the rate of growth, vertical growth of the plant is pretty stunning. So, uh, the same communication network going on in the gut should be happening in the soil yeah. and that res- the restore actually, you know, just like it does in the gut as it lines the villi and, and reinforces the, the tight junction membrane uh, in the gut. It does the same thing at the root system.
0: That's, you know, we've got, I'm, I grew up in Washington, DC in the inner city, and I'm now on 30 acres in, in central New York and we're on uh, what's left of a farm that was heavily, uh, used as a producing corn mostly, uh, for livestock for a dairy farm. And we've been, we have this garden patch it's pretty big, but we've been trying to recover and reclaim the soil and we still get pests, pretty consistent pest problems. And I'd be curious to see if we didn't use some of this stuff in, uh, maybe our. Potato beetles and Colorado beetles wouldn't uh, their population decline some. That'd be real interesting. Because there there's studies out there showing that even plants can communicate. Like if they're under attack, they'll they've got some sort of communication network and they can respond. And so this is this is absolutely fascinating, especially as an acupuncturist, because there's some thought in the back of my mind, I've been doing this for twenty years, that really all acupuncture is doing is is some sort of you know, uh, uh, I wouldn't say facilitating the communication, but maybe hurting the communicate the body's communication in certain ways. And there's a line out of one of the old texts that say that chi energy is just is built upon the ten thousand comings and goings of tiny little threads inside the body. So it's really almost the same concept that you're talking about, but you've come at it from such a hardcore scientific background and identified you know, a, an exact substance that can that can make this happen. So it's just, it's mind-blowing, man.
2: It is mind-blowing. And I think you're spot on on the acupuncture piece there. I think that ultimately 3,000 years of Chinese medicine has all been about communication. And so uh, it's, it's a really, uh, all of us who are being effective in the medical world are not trying to uh, hammer something home. Uh, the Western medicine approach is always take a massive sledgehammer biologically and take it to them. Uh, whereas it's the subtle subtle medicines in the world that are actually going to transform human health again and uh, subtlety and, and working with the body and, and providing energy uh, energy and information to the cell level is all it really takes. So uh, you're spot on there. So tell
0: me a little bit more about Restore and how much, what's it like, what does it taste like, how much do you have to take, do you have to take it forever, Absolutely.
2: what makes it different so, from it, other
0: products out there?
2: So Restore has a couple of very unique attributes to it that make it critical for the modern consumer. So um, we haven't gotten into innate immunity really here. We can do that on another call perhaps. But um, the the foundation of inflammation in the end, if you want to ask for what is the root cause of inflammation, uh, ends up being uh, gut dysbiosis, disbalance in the gut, loss of communication from those bacteria. As you lose that communication network, you lose support. Uh, to a structure called the tight junction in the bowel wall. And that tight junction is what creates the firewall between the food you're eating and your immune system and the and of the bloodstream. And so those tight junctions end up being kind of the holy grail of, of human protection. And uh, this is where antibiotics uh, and anti inflammatories like ibuprofen and a lot of these medications we use for people with chronic fatigue, chronic pain syndromes, are fantastically detrimental. Uh, they, they attack and destroy uh, those tight junctions very quickly, uh, antibiotics indirectly, the anti-inflammatories directly. And so we, our, our medications add fuel to the fire of a, an injured immune system and uh, t- attack that front barrier. And so we turn into these leaky sieves, in which case almost everything we eat can become a noxious insult to uh, the bacteria. Uh, Or I'm sorry, to the uh, immune system there. Mm -hmm. And so they restore uh, the carbon molecules that are the communication network between the bacteria. When it hits a cell membrane, there's almost an instantaneous change in the electrical potential and protection of those tight junctions uh, come back into uh, normal health. And those tight junctions um, are repaired over about an 18-hour period to levels that we've really never measured in the laboratory. So... Uh, It's a really phenomenal, fast uh, reconstruction of this firewall system. And so uh, the protection thereof uh, then blocks two of the major chemicals in our food chain that are really destroying human health, which is glyphosate, which is Roundup, and gluten. And those two are direct toxins to the tight junction. And we've been able to demonstrate that Restore actually blocks all of the toxicity there, the glyphosate and the gluten at that tight junction level. And so you've got an antidote system here where as you take Restore, um, it, it immediately promotes healthy tight junctions. Those tight junctions in turn protect the immune system. And so that's the pattern that you see initially. The tight junctions in the gut are just the beginning of the story, and you're going to see that happen in the blood vessels, and the kidneys, and the blood-brain barrier. And so that's a lot of fancy science. And you ask the simple question, well, what what does it do when you take it? And the answer is, you're going to feel uh, that electrical charge go up across the system. And being an energy therapist, as an acupuncturist, you're going to you're going to have an incredible experience working around Restore because. And even as you swallow your first dose, you can feel a bit of a tingle going down off, and A lot of people will describe a slight menthol-type effect, this tingling sensation as the electrical charge goes up across that cell membrane. Suddenly, you're absorbing nutrient and water across those membranes more effectively. Uh, inflammation is going down within 5 to 20 minutes. Uh, at the mitochondrial level, you have a suppression of reactive oxygen species. And so innate immunity is really taking back over as the front line of defense goes back up the experience of that is is often one of lifting of the brain fog. And so uh the kind of mental you know fog that we are all walking around it with to a large degree can can lift even within minutes of the first dose and that's again not because it's healing anything, it's just because the body, once having those barriers back up and running, can start to traffic information across those membranes more effectively. Amazingly, it's a very small dose to achieve that. My Lyme patients, the more messed up your gut is, the, the, the more potent restore becomes. And so for a patient who's been on chronic antibiotics for 15 years uh, or five years or two years, whatever it is, I've seen the sickest of the sick in my clinic. Um, I have patients who have come in not only 15 years of oral antibiotics, but six years of IV antibiotics, etc. Right. Uh, these are patients that are so devastated at the biome level that just five drops of, of restore under the tongue is plenty to shift them uh, massively. Um, in fact, if they take you know a typical dose, which is a teaspoon three times a day, uh, they can get too much bloating and they just feel poorly because their biome is shifting so fast. And so... Uh, for our sickest patients, we start at about five drops a day uh, and then titrate that up over the course of a few weeks to the wow. goal, which is a teaspoon to a tablespoon before each meal. And uh, that dosing there uh, is enough to really have massive impact on the biome. The way in which the bacteria are coming back into the system is pretty fascinating that uh, you know, there, there's no bacteria in the product restore, store. Instead, it's just the communication network. Right. And as you, most of the bacteria that are going to repopulate your gut and sinuses and skin, et cetera, is actually coming from the air around you. And so for our patients in our clinic, we start to restore and immediately have them try to uh, create a more complex environment, uh, which would be going to ecosystems like waterfalls and the beach and mountain hikes and um, get into those big different macro environments as well as interact with pets. Uh, a huge impact by having a dog in the home. Uh, having uh, you know large animals around, the goats, the horses, all of these have an incredible impact on the biome. And you don't have to own these animals. Just a quick visit once a week to a home or an environment with the, the animals around is an adequate uh, reintroduction of these bacteria to the system. So uh, that's the process of starting the oil uh, consumption of the, the product three times a day is typical. where you do it before the meals, which is ideal, but it certainly works as well with or after the meals.
0: So that's pretty straightforward.
2: It's got a uh, pretty benign taste to it. Mentioned what it's like to take it. It's got a slight mineraly taste. Um, for your patients who are the sickest, you might find that uh, they they have more of a uh, they can sense more of a, a reactive kind of chemically flavor in that. That's what's happening is they're very positively charged with their chronic inflammation, so the mm-hmm. negative charge can create kind of a chemical reaction. It's kind of like a baking soda. Experiment or something like that, but um, so they can experience a little bit more flavor. But once they get healthy, it, again, it'll return to this mild mineral, slight salty flavor to the compound. Uh, there is no flavoring in it; it's all entirely soil mineral extract uh, that, that's going into that product. So uh, the uh, the minor ingredients that stabilize those um, those carbon molecules are very similar to what you would find in a, a sweet potato skin grown organically. So uh, it's a normal distribution of, of earth minerals there uh, that support and stabilize the carbon molecules there.
0: Terrific. Dr. Bush, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous. Um, and leaving in case somebody's in their automobile driving around, how can they get hold of you and your clinic and your product and what's – what are your contact points?
2: You can find us uh, uh, online. Uh, the, the website's www.restore4life.com, lifecom restoreforlife.com. And the clinic is revyourhealth.com, your health.com.
0: Okay, thanks. And on a personal note, um, I, is it okay if I continue to talk with Carmel and maybe uh, organize a visit to come see you in your clinic and see what yeah, you have be, going on down there and see if we can't do something similar up here in central New York?
2: We'd be delighted to see you. That'd be, that'd be a fun collaboration.
0: Yeah. i would, um really interested. We're in the very beginning stages to see if the community would support something like this. We have a population issue up here. <laughs> it's kind of thin, yeah. probably a, a similar to what you got going on down
2: there. Um, but anyway. Absolutely. Uh, it an exciting thing. and uh, We're certainly working on scaling the clinic up to national levels and everything else. So it's, uh, we're looking for life-minder practitioners across the world. Well, very
0: interesting. All right, well, then I'll be in touch.
2: All right. Very good. All right. You take care. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Keep
0: on. You're doing good stuff. You too. Keep proliferating good stuff there.
1: Bye-bye. I really love listening to these people who have been coming to Lyme disease from uh, non-medical backgrounds.
0: What do you mean non-medical? He's a doctor.
1: Yeah, but, you know, he started out – planning to be an engineer before, you know, he completely changed that. So, and it's just really cool to me to have some different perspectives on this, like, you know, Greg Lee, who was working at NASA as a rocket scientist. Ah, I see what you're saying. Okay. And, and you know, earlier we had Mrs. Dryman and Halloween, who was a historian. And, you know, looking at disease, at Lyme disease from these different perspectives is, mm-hmm. well, is really cool because you kind of get that, Systematic kind of overall perspective of not only the disease itself, but also healing and getting better in general. Because you can ask a doctor about Lyme disease and human health, but that's kind of like asking a firefighter how they put out a fire. So it's kind of cool to get these different perspectives and kind of see why the fire is starting in the first place, just to continue the metaphor. Okay. Yeah.
0: Very good. I'm very curious about this product and how it may help with Lyme brain, with brain fog. And that's a particular focus of mine at uh, Lyme Ninja Radio. So if you do have brain fog and would like to participate in a small ad hoc study, I've arranged for some samples of this product that Dr. Bush has formulated. So if you want to... Get details on participating in this. There'll be a small cost probably for shipping and handling, but it won't be more than a few bucks. Send me an email at feedback at com. That's feedback at com, And let me know that you'd like to participate in the brain fog study. I'm very curious to see if this can help with Lyme brain fog, and I'd appreciate your help. Again, that's feedback at com. And if you need more Lime Ninja in your life, Aurora, what should people do?
1: Visit our website, LimeninjaRadio.com. You can find all forty-three past episodes now. We're uh, getting back up to fifty-two a year now.
0: We are. We're on our way. Yep. On the website, you can also sign up for our mailing list, and by doing that, you'll pick up the Lime Ninja Radio Brain Fog Protocol. It's got five. Great ideas for how to combat brain fog. And that's our little thank you. But wait, that's not all.
1: Lime Ninja Radio is also on iTunes, Stitcher, Twitter, and Facebook.
0: Like us, please. Yes. And last but not least, the Lime Ninja fact of the day.
1: (laughs) Over the weekend, a New York State trooper pulled a ninja over for going 85 miles per hour on the thruway. But since the ninja wasn't in a car, the trooper had to give him a ticket for jaywalking.